With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. His likeness, he fashioned the clay, a vessel of honor. I am today, all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. He is the potter. I am the clay molded in his image. He wants me to stay and I stumble and fall and my vessel break. Oh, he picked up the pieces. He didn't throw the clay away. Over and over, he molds me and makes me into his likeness. He fashions the clay, a vessel of honor. I am today all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Over and over, he molds me and makes me into his likeness. He fashions the clay, a vessel of honor. I am today all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Over and over, he molds me. And makes me into his likeness. He fashions the clay, a vessel of honor. I am today, all because Jesus 
didn't throw the clay away all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to take a few moments and and, and anyone on the line, you're quite free to do the same thing at this time. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Mighty God. Mighty God. You are God and Oh, God, and we come for you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I greet you all tonight in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I just bless the Lord that we're able again to meet tonight in this session. I bless the Lord for Pastor Maureen Chen. Hallelujah. And her vision for this ministry. And I bless the Lord for all those who um, assist her and support this ministry. I, I bless the Lord for the technology and for all the the companies and, and institutions and organizations that make um, telecommunications um, possible. And in the name of Jesus, I, I bless the Lord for increasing our wisdom and, and our knowledge and understanding that we can manipulate the airwaves and um and is able to join together with each other um in one place though we're in separate places uh separate places. I, I, I bless the Lord that um he always demonstrates um to us um how he is. Glory to God. Because certainly God is is everything. God is all things, and meaning there's no limitation to God. I I don't mean I don't mean the way the New Age people take it. I mean there's no limitation to God. Uh, whatsoever we need Him to be, um, He can be that unto us. And and so at times, because there's so many um, people in the world. Um, and everybody has their own particular need. At times, it is necessary for God to be doing some, something completely different to one person than what he's doing to the other person at the same time simultaneously. But God is able to do even opposite things at the same time. Hallelujah. And so if we're made in the image and likeness of God, we have the same abilities. It is a it is a hard sell even to church folks to um, to say that we we are capable of Godship. Man is that is man is capable of of Godship, and that man is able to do the things that that God does. 
And um, because God manifests so many limitations, and God is seen without limitations. Um, but it is true that and that is a paradoxical situation because God himself is paradoxical. And because we're made in the image and likeness of God, then we're able to reciprocate God in every area. And I find that um, we hold ourselves back and we limit ourselves. And I am a major one of that. It was a hard sell for me to subscribe to spiritual things, so I know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about my own self, talking about my own history. I'm talking about where I'm coming from, um, from darkness and from sin and from unbelief and, and disbelief and um, all contrary to God. And all of God was a hard sell. Um, for me, hallelujah, glory to God, um, that God is able to look beyond our faults and, and, and to know who we are and to preserve to preserve us and protect us and to protect is, is genius enough. And, and, and so tonight, hallelujah, glory to God, I, I am so aware and I'm so conscious of my... I'm going, to say, I'm going to say abilities on both sides, and then I'm going to say inabilities. I'm so conscious and aware of my abilities in God, um, glory to God, and I am so conscious and aware of my inabilities outside of God. Um, I have not forgotten who I was before Christ came into my life, um, I am I am fully conscious of where I'm coming from with God, and I just bless God that He is able to do the things that He that He does. Um, tonight, tonight we're on the we're on the air, we're on the airwaves, uh, and the Bible tells us that um, we have an adversary. One of the titles that he has is is a prince of the power of the air. Um, glory to God. So right by default from that scripture, we know that there is power in the air. There's power in the atmosphere. There is power in the hemisphere and the stratosphere of this universe. And and so it testifies that the earth and the, and, and the universe is did not come here by accident. Um, somebody had to have done done such a work. Somebody had to have done all that work uh, for there to exist what exists and, 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 and for them to work how they how they work. Um there there is no collisions. Um and there is there is order and there's order in the month. Hallelujah. And so anything that is act come by accident, there couldn't be so much order in accident. So the order that exists in our universe testifies that there is a God. And the, the, the Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the earth show it is handiwork. And for those folks who do not subscribe to the thought that God is real, I tend not to spend too much time with them, because to, de- to deny God is, if you're a man, to deny God is to deny yourself. Um, there's absolutely no way you can be a living, breathing um, man or human being, as, as we're called scientifically, um, and you're not conscious, you're not aware that there is a, a power that is greater than 
who you know yourself to be. Because there's so many things that uh, we utilize. There's so many things that man utilizes on the earth, and um, and we're fully aware and we're fully conscious that those things were not put in place by another man, and those things are not being kept by another man or or any force or any power of man. Um, for example, gravity, just, just very simple um, gravity. We're living on a globe that is called the earth, and that's the right name for that's what it's called in the Bible, but the earth is a globe, like a ball, and we're living on the outside, the outer surface of the ball. We're not living on the top of the ball, really. It could be, you know, although it's, it's, it's oval, it's curved, you could say there's a space there, depending on how large this ball might be, there's a space there where you can stand on the top, albeit if you walk too near to the edge, you will fall over. But man lives all over the globe, um, top, bottom, in the middle, and um, all around all around the sides of the earth. and But anywhere we go in the earth, we're standing on, even that it's not a mountainous place, but we're standing on ground, on, on solid ground. And, and we're all standing on our feet, no matter where we might be in the, on the earth. We're, we're all standing on our feet and our head is in the air. Hallelujah, glory to God. No matter where we are, in there, all at the same time. So if we're if we're standing on top of the globe, uh, that's on the North Pole, that the folks who live there and there are people who live in the North Pole, I don't know how they do it, but there are people who live in the North Pole, uh, they're standing on their feet. And then if we go below the equator to the South Pole, people are still standing on their feet and their head is still in the air. And if we go um, down to Australia, People are still standing on their feet, and Australia is 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 below. Australia, the, the continent of Australia, is situated below all the other continents on the earth. That's why it's called down under. It's actually like under the earth. But people still stand on their feet in Australia, and their head is still in the in the atmosphere. And if we go um, in South America and try to travel along the equator, I'll be not too close because the equator is hot, but you, you will still find people in all, the, in all the jungles of South America. Anywhere you go on the earth, people are standing on their feet. And so it is very hard to perceive by our natural mind that um, human beings all actually live on the outer surface of the earth. Now, there was a time when scholars thought that the earth was flat, like a plate, like that, like a plate. And, and so you would have to be very careful not to go too close to the edge of this plate or you will fall over into what, into what they didn't know. But they just, that's kind of common sense. If something is flat, uh, you would eventually reach, reach the edge. So once you reach the edge, you will fall over. So they sort of tend to, to, to congregate um, in the interior of where they, they were, which was in Europe mainly, they thought it's like in Greece and Spain. That's where the thinkers were. And Greeks are thinkers, even today they, they praise themselves for thinking. And so in their thought, they, they, they thought that the earth was flat. 
And there was a, uh, a scientist by the name of Vasco da Gama who thought that the earth was not flat at all because wherever he looked, he saw like what we now call the horizon. And so because of the shape of the horizon, he says that doesn't look like a flat. That looks like an unending circle. And so he was imprisoned um, for that thought because in the olden days, if you're a heretic, Heretic, if you said anything that was too contrary to the, to the norm, what was accepted as knowledge, then you were executed. They didn't want anybody upsetting their, um, their equilibrium of knowledge. And so Vasco da Gama risked his life in maintaining that the earth was wrong. Now, some people still believe the earth is flat with all the technology and all the outer space exploration and, and satellites. Some, some people just want to accept it, and some people are just setting their ways. But the thought that we're living on a globe, so if you could just see yourself standing on the, on the side of a ball, then you should be perpendicular in, in some way or the other at, at some point. You, you, you should be sticking out sideways. You shouldn't be straight up. So obviously there is a force that keeps man on the surface of the earth standing on this globe upright wherever we are on the earth, um, glory to God, and that is gravity. So obviously one human being um, created, developed, concocted gravity. I know, and it's not being kept in place by any human being. We all know that. Nobody has a monopoly, a monopoly on gravity, but we're absolutely certain that gravity exists. Even if, even if some folks don't want to call it gravity, it doesn't matter what they call it. They, what, what, what it's called doesn't matter. The point is we're fully conscious that we are standing on the surface of a globe by no power of our own. So that alone in itself testifies. We cannot deny it, that there is another source of power. There is another being that is mightier and more powerful than man is. That leaves man in his current state and his current um, stage of living. And um, oxygen is another phenomenon that we fully, we're fully conscious. No matter how a person says, he doesn't believe that there is a God, that God exists. Um, he breathes oxygen. And he knows that oxygen was not developed or made by any human being any place. And the supply of oxygen is not being replenished by the work of man or the acts of man. But yet we have oxygen on the earth. On water, um, we know that no human being made water, and we know that no man keeps the supply of water on the earth. Water is in the earth. So the moon and the stars um, by which we depend on for our atmospheric conditions and to count time and all that. They're just in their place doing their business. Um, the sun comes up, the sun sets, the moon comes out, the moon goes away, the stars are there. And, 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 and we depend on them. We depend on them. We depend on the, the moon, the movement of the moon, to keep the water in the ocean in their place so that the, the oceans don't overrun the earth. 
Because originally, according to Genesis chapter 1, the entire globe was covered with water um, before there was light. Um, the entire globe was covered with um, dark waters. So the earth naturally is susceptible to water. And then um, the Bible says that God divided the waters from the waters and the dry land appeared. So it is a natural thing. It, it would be a very natural thing for the, for, for the water to recover the globe or recover the earth. But the moon is in place, and the moon keeps the, the, the water in its boundaries or the limitations. Now, every single human being on earth um, who have enough intelligence to decide that he's not going to believe that there is a God, knows that, knows that um, these natural um, elements and phenomena in the earth, that they are above human abilities and human capability. So to decide that you're not going to believe that there is a God is is just... um, a response to the glory of God. It's a response to the thought of God. It's a it's a it's a conscious response to the existence of God. And so, human beings being a creature that have the ability to choose. Um, some folks just decide that they're going to choose not to decide, and not to accept, not to believe. It's a choice. It's a choice to believe or not to believe. And some folks just will just decide that oh, we're not going to believe, because to believe, no, you have to act. To believe um, brings the demand, demand action, demand. To believe comes with the innate. Um, consciousness that you know responsible for what you believe, and so some folks just don't want to be responsible, and so they decide not to believe. Um, in the years when I did not subscribe to not the existence of God, I always knew that God existed and God was real. I I had I had some experience when I was a very young child. Um, so I never struggled to know if God was real or not. I, I knew that God was real. What I resisted, I didn't struggle, I just resisted. What I resisted was the thought of handing my life over to him. That that was what I resisted. And so um, because I had my own ideas what I wanted to do with my life, and I was I didn't know, I didn't know God in the light of that, no matter what I can do with my life, he can do much better for me. I, I did not always know that. I was not always aware or conscious of what God can do with my life if I deliver myself over unto him, if I subscribe to him, if I believe, if I, if I seek him and pursue him and walk with him. I, I didn't always know what God could make of me. And I had the idea, because that's, that's how I was oriented in my family too, to figure out my life and help myself and don't be a pest to anybody. 
and 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 so that was my that's that's the mindset that was entrenched in me. So it didn't come naturally for me to think I could go to God and and ask Him to help me or ask Him to 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 show me anything or reveal anything to me. I, I, to me, God was just um, there. He was the one that was responsible um, for for the earth and for the heavens and for life and the earth and everything that we can see. And I happen to be here. But um, anything after that, it was up to me. I did not have to relate back to God again. And so um, to believe in spiritual things or subscribe to spiritual things was um, was not natural for me. But God <laughs> is a God, and I bless him for being who he is, being so mighty and so powerful. God in all is splendor, hallelujah, glory to God, of omniscience, not me having all knowledge. He, um, he sought me and, and set it up in such a way that I was able to... Um, begin to consider him, and um, and to decide after a while to seek him, and to decide after another while to pursue him, and to decide after another while that I can't live without him. I I, I will be nothing without him. So tonight, I want to sort of do a transition between God and man. And I am hoping that anyone who's on the line, um, if somebody's on the line for the very first time, I bless the Lord for bringing you. And I hope that you will stay until the end of the program. I try to finish here in one hour. And I, I am asking the Lord, petitioning the Lord that before the hour is through, or 45 minutes now, that is, um, within the next 40 minutes, that um, if you're struggling with the thought of God or the thought of surrendering your life completely unto God, or if you've already done that but it seems to have been in a dead end with your with your walk with the Lord, seems to have come to a standstill and you're not moving anymore, then I pray that tonight's lesson will be... Um, a deliverance from that, a removal of that block, and 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 a springboard into the newness of life. Um, um, I'm a writer, and in in school they teach us in writing school they teach us about what is called a writer's block. And a writer's block is just when a writer don't have any inspiration. You have just sort of reach a dead end. You just want to run out of things to say. <laughs> and um, you, you, you can't really put anything together. So there's specific lessons how to either avoid writer's block or how to get over it if you run into it. Well, I find in my walk with Christ that there's also a spiritual block or a Christian block. Sometimes Christians just get bogged down and get to a certain point where we're not growing. Uh, we still do the church thing like we go to church and we might pray and fast and, you know, we do the, we do the, the Christian thing, the church thing, but we're not growing in, in, in our sincerity if we should be um, scaled, if we should be measured, 
we will see that we're not growing. Now, if somebody might ask, um, how can you measure um, Christians' growth, a Christian's growth, or spiritual growth, or is there such a thing as dimensions of faith? Because these thoughts sort of escape um, many of us' mind that um, you can, you're supposed to be growing spiritually. You're supposed to be going from strength to strength, from power to power, from might unto might, and from glory to glory. A lot of a lot of I don't want to use the word Christian. A lot of um, people who subscribe to God and so that they've given their life over to God and they've been transformed um, by the Word of God and, and, and they're new creatures in Christ. Um, it escaped many minds that actually that is a journey. A growth position. Hallelujah, glory to God. And so, a lot of Christians, um, a lot of church folks, they 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 accept Christ. They adhere to the to the the, the principles in whatever organization church they they get saved. They subscribe. To the principles, and um, they they become church members. They could become members of the church, and they remain the exact same way in their character, in their mind, in their knowledge, in their wisdom, in their understanding. They remain at the exact same place, and um, there is no growth. There is no freshness. There is no life. And, and, and those folks will think that they are fully saved, and they are everything is fine with them and the Lord. They have no idea or thought of laboring in the kingdom, in God's kingdom or in the vineyard. Um, They have no concept of building on a foundation that was preset. They're simply church goers. They get up Sunday morning or whenever they go to church and they go to church. But if you should do an examination, they they are exactly how they were. Now, I because in school I studied human behavior. I studied science and human behavior in school. I um I am fascinated by what makes human beings tick, why we do the things that we do, and why we do it that way. And and so fascinated by that element of our existence that I studied it in university. Um, so with the church folks, I, I contemplate that a lot. I, I, I take it into much consideration as to why a person would supposedly leave the world, come into the church, and, and remain the exact same way characteristically 
at Lafonia in the Trinidad. So you could have just simply stayed in the world. You're the exact same way as before you came. You still dress the same way. You still go to the same places. You cuss the same way. And you do the exact same thing. So why are you in the church? And it's amazing that many of those folks think that they are already ready for the rapture. They're just waiting for the rapture to come. And so if you should suggest, if you should suggest in the least kind of way that um, you need to get up and you need to start living for Christ or in Christ, they are offended. And if you're preaching in church and you say anything about um, this banning sin or changing your lifestyle, many of those people get offended and say that they're being preached on, and that's why they cannot go to church because people just torment them in church. Um, but um, that that aspect of our life is just a weapon. It's a method. It's a method of the enemy. And so I've come to find out that um, Satan, that we spoke about earlier in this in this um, set of teaching, he really doesn't mind if we go to church every Sunday. He doesn't even mind if we go to church early and stay until it's finished. He doesn't mind that at all. He, he can accommodate that. Satan can accommodate us going to church. Satan can accommodate us acting as if we are saved and as if we're holy. He doesn't mind. I've come to find out that Satan does not mind that at all. I've come to find out what Satan really minds is when I begin to pursue the knowledge of God and I begin to subscribe to who God is and who God says I am. Once you start to do that, then you become a threat to the enemy. But to just go to church, you're no threat to him. As a matter of fact, he kind of likes you um, to be in that position. To, to be a church member and you are not making any difference to the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, you're not making any difference to the kingdom of darkness, Satan don't really mind you. He's, he's God. He's got you. But as a child of God, as a person in the church, as a member of the body of Christ, um, we need to know exactly who Satan is, and we need to know exactly who we are, and we need to know exactly who God is, which is the point of this course, um, this, this, this study that we're doing. And, and so tonight... Um, we're doing a transition between um, man and, and, and God. We're leading from man into God. And so in the Bible, in the Bible that we, that we use, I use the King James Version. I'm prejudiced towards the King James Version. I think it is the most spiritual of all the versions. <laughs> I think it is the one that God authorized for English-speaking people. But don't pay me too much attention on that. that I'm, I'm just prejudiced that kind of way. Um, there's some of the version that is very comical, but um, some of them are, are, are pretty good in what they claim that they're doing. But I just love the King James. The King James is full of glory, full of spirit, full of life. I, I, I love the King James version. So in the King James version of the Bible that I use, the fourth word, the fourth word in the Bible, in the King James version, is God. It says, the beginning, God. 
And also, when I read that, because I'm a trained writer, when I read that, I said, hmm, this book is missing an introduction. Because I'm trained, you know, you're trained. You have to introduce a character and introduce a thought before you present it because your reader will get lost and your reader won't know what you're talking about. So you kind of have to start from a general common base and then you bring it over to something specific. But the Bible does not follow that pattern at all. The Bible does say in the beginning God. So the Bible presumes, the Bible presumes, the author of the Bible presumes that every reader who comes to the Bible will already have a precursor to the knowledge of who God is, or that God, that God, God exists. And so that is why, and the author of the Bible is God himself, and God is always right. So that is why I know that somehow the Bible begins, it, it, it knocks off and eliminates any logical um, standing that some people can be confused as to whether or not God exists or God does not exist. Because God does not make a mistake. God is wholesome, and anything that God does is exact. It is right. And so for him to begin the manual that he has given unto mankind for us to find our way from earth to heaven, to find our way from darkness unto light, to find our way from sin unto righteousness. He has given us a manual, and anything that is created and made comes with a manual, an operational manual. So the Bible is our operational manual. It tells us how we're supposed to operate, how we're supposed to be. It names us, and it tells us exactly who we are. And in this operational manual, the fourth word says God. And the entire Bible, if you go through the entire Bible, we're reading the Bible through on this ministry, and just in case you're underlining, you're not familiar with all this schedule of Simple Word Ministry. On Thursdays, we read the Bible through. We just simply read the Bible through from Gen- and we read it from Genesis to Revelation. We should finish reading it by the end of the year, and each January we start all over again. But if you read the entire Bible through, you will see that God, who is the writer of the Bible, and I will qualify that um, probably next week in my lesson by what I mean by God is the writer of the Bible. But God, who is the writer of the Bible, spend absolutely no time trying to defend his existence or trying to prove to anybody that he is real or that he is good or that he exists. The Bible does not exist. The Bible is not written in, in, in such a way to try and um, manipulate anybody um, into believing that God is God. God is who he is or that he does exist. And so when I, I, I read the Bible through, when I read the Bible through and I became conscious of that, I had to ask the Lord. I said, so for those of us who don't really know you and don't really understand you, 
um, that you think you should have written the Bible in such a way that takes us from step to step to to, to knowing you. And, and, and the Lord told me, the Lord asked me a question. You know, God is, God is the wisest. God is the most sensible being that there is. And God, God, is, God is the best teacher. He's, he's the most excellent professor. So the Lord says to me, um, I'm going to answer your question, but I need to ask you one question first. At the stage in your life when you came out of your mother's womb, did you nurse on her pops? And I said, yes, I did. And the Lord says, explain to me how a baby nurses. So I says, okay, the nipple is placed in the baby's mouth, and the baby begins to suck. And the Lord says, stop right there. He said, what, what did you say the baby begins to do? He said, the baby begins to suck. And he said, who taught the baby that? How does the baby know that it is supposed to suck on this nipple? And he said, I don't know. He <laughs> just do that. And he says, I taught them. I educate them. I instructed them when they're in the womb. I speak to babies in the womb, and I prepare them. I take nine months to prepare a normal birth, to prepare a, a, a man to come on the earth and have the survival. And in the womb, in the womb, communicating with babies in the womb, they understand me, and they have a relationship with me. And when it is time to leave the womb, I tell them it is time, and they hear me, and they start moving towards the exit, and say, you did that. He says, if in the womb you could understand that I exist and that I'm real, that when I told you it was time to leave the womb and come out into the world and you start moving towards your mom's birth canal, why do you have problem now that you are a, a living, thinking, free, walking human being on the earth? Why can't you believe that I exist? How did you lose the consciousness of me? Because when you were a child, when you were a child, and the first time you understood when your dad says to you, Joan, sit down, you knew that he meant to fold your body in half and set your derriere on a chair. Who taught you that? And I said, I don't know. I just knew what sit down meant. And he says, I taught you knowledge. I gave you understanding. And you acted by it. And you're still acting by it. So how did you lose the consciousness of me when, I, when you knew me from in the womb? And so um, I came to understand that every single human being that walked the earth were born with a consciousness of God. And if we do not live by it or subscribe to it, it's because we, had, we made a decision not to. We just don't want to take the responsibility to. But if we would... Go with our natural senses with which we were born. Then we will, we will have to admit that we're, we are fully aware and we're conscious uh, that there is a God. So God says, I already introduced you to this thought of my existence from the, in the womb. 
And that is why in the Bible I didn't need to do it again. So that's the answer to the question I asked. Why, why, did you, why didn't you write the Bible like that? Why didn't you write the Bible with an introduction to himself? He says, I did it in the womb. I did it one-on-one before you came out into the earth. I made certain that you knew me from in the womb. I made certain that you could understand me and understand my voice and follow my instructions. Um, So that when you're a child and even at the time when your caregivers would lose probably just momentary track of you and you would have done yourself harm or, or even take your own life, I was able to speak to you as a child and preserve you. And, and and so it is just in your growth as time went on and as you became older and and was more able to make your own decision, you made a decision to put me aside. And the Lord said, wasn't that true? And you know, thank God, I had to admit that that was true. You know, until the Lord had a conversation with me, I didn't, I wasn't so aware of it that I had done that. But as the Lord walked me through this conversation, I had to admit that it was true. It was a decision that I had made not to subscribe to God or subscribe to spiritual things. I, I didn't make it as a permanent decision. I, uh, In talking with God, I became aware that I had thought that at a later time in my life, when I had accomplished certain things that I want to accomplish in my life, some things that I wanted to do, and doing those things was contrary to the character of God or the nature of God. And so I realized that even from a very young child, I knew what the character and the nature of God was like. And um, it was it was me who had dismissed that from my mind because in, I could not uphold the character of God and, 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 and still pursue myself or pursue my flesh or promote June, I couldn't promote June Malcolm and subscribe to God at the same time because June Malcolm had been exposed to the world and become contrary to the character of God. And so, left on my own, I made a decision that I would put God aside. I would delay God. And um, at a certain point when I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in my own life, then I would have gone back and, I guess, retrieve him. <laughs> so, so, so when when I asked the Lord about lack of introduction, he says, you knew me. You knew me enough to decide that you didn't want to be with me yet. And so I had to admit that. And I had to give God thanks that even in years when I did not subscribe to God, nor desired him, nor sought him, neither wanted him to seek me, that he was still there and he was still valiantly championing the cause of keeping me alive because I live a little crazy, dangerous life and I would have died. Um, I would have died many times over if God had not um, 
remain God. So God expects each and every one of us on the earth to be fully aware and fully conscious of his existence because he he did that for each and every one of us. Because I ask a lot of questions, I once asked a lawyer about people who are mentally challenged. Uh, even some folks who are born that way. And the Lord says that I speak to everybody. Uh, folks who are mentally challenged are just mentally challenged to other human beings. Uh, nobody is mentally challenged to me. And I'm not mentally challenged to anybody. And no matter how inadequate you think somebody might be mentally, I still communicate with them. And they can still communicate with me. I am the Almighty. And any natural limitations in somebody's mind cannot stop me from being God or fulfilling my role as God to such a person. That gave me a lot of comfort when God told me that. Um, because I was I, I was really troubled when I got through these folks who were mentally challenged if they have the capacity to understand God and if they can receive God or if they're automatically going to be lost. And, and the Lord says, no, I, I do communicate with every mind and I know how to communicate and I know how to let Every, each and every mind hear me and communicate communicate with me. Hallelujah, glory to God. That's the mighty God we, we serve and we give God thanks um, thanks for that. And the Lord says um, mankind have more than one system of um, understanding. And so even if a person's natural mind was not capable of communicating with me, then I would communicate with the person by another means. And the Lord says, nobody, natural mind, is capable of communicating with me. I do not communicate with folks by their natural mind. So whether or not you are mentally challenged or you are a genius, I communicate with you the exact same way. Because each and every person that is born on the earth, according to um, where is Psalm 74, verse 1? And then I'm going to read Psalm 79, verse 13. And then I am going to read Psalms 95, verse 7. And then I'm going to read Psalms 103, verse 3. I'm reading these scriptures from the psalm because um, David, um, the writer of the psalm, he understood this position between God and man very well because he lived it. Hallelujah. God fulfilled the role of the shepherd in David. David fulfilled that role for every single pastor on the earth. If you're called to be a pastor, you don't have to struggle to overcome any natural challenges or debilitation that comes out of the act of pastoring mankind, human beings. Um, every single person on this earth 
was born with a specific purpose. And the Lord says, all I require of you is to fulfill that one purpose. That's what David understood when he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. And if I find that one thing out and fulfill it, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not not just house of the Lord in time, but house of the Lord in eternity. Like like John says, in my father's house are many mansions. Like in that state, if I understand my purpose on earth, and I fulfill my purpose, when I stand before God, or whenever that might be, I will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. All the things that God has to accomplish on the earth, he has assigned one task to each and every one of us. And our job on the earth as man is to find out, man, I mean both male and female, is to find out what is that divine task, that divine purpose. I once heard a preacher say that there is no such thing as a specific reason or a specific purpose for God to the person on the earth. People just come on the earth because their parents copulated and they can see even and that is not true at all. Um, God supervises every single conception and God, I just told you that God educated me that he um, communicates with every fetus um, in the womb. Um, and so when the abortionist says that you are not a human being until you are born. That is not true. As far as God is concerned from the time you're conceived, and I'm not going into your turn to just talking about your time on earth, from the time you're conceived in the womb, you are a living, functioning, breathing human being that he can communicate with. And he does communicate with us um, in, um, in the womb. If you consider your birth and consider your early years, you will conclude, yes, you didn't really have all that much sense that you were guided. You were guided by, by um, somebody who was more powerful than you are. Hallelujah, glory to God. And that's why just about all children have some imaginary friend when they're small because God makes a point to speak to us when we're young um, spiritually and wherefore you're aware unconscious of conscious of God. And when, when, when we're off the program tonight, if you will go back and think for yourself as far back as you can go in your memory and see how far back you can remember. Um, and if you're, if you're very good at this, uh, you, you can probably remember when you were on your mother's breast, uh, if, if you were nursed, or when you were being fed by a, by a bottle. But you can. You can really go back. Nothing, nothing, none of our experiences or anything that was said to us is is um, lost. It's recorded. Everything that is said to us, everything that we experience in life, in life as a part of the race of man is, re- is recorded. And so if you think about it, and you do not need it not just to do this. <laughs> you just need to set yourself with God and think, and your mind will begin to um, open up and you will be surprised as to how far back in your life you can you can remember or remember yourself and so you will you will remember things that will prove to you that you knew when you were young that that there was a God and that God is real. 
And um, on the last day when we stand before God, the Bible says we're going to have to give an account of everything that was done in our body, whether it was good or evil. So if not today, if you're not going to do it today, you will do it at some point in time or eternity. You will have to give an account for everything you did in your body. So that means that is evidence and proof that nothing that you did in your body is lost. You might forget it because it might have been painful and... uh, it might have troubled your mind, and you feel you were better off. You decided you were better off not not remembering than to remember. So you might have forgotten. Like deliberately made a decision to forget those things, but they will they will return when you stand before God and give an account. I often hear folks say that um, it is impossible not to sin on the earth because. We sin when we know not. I don't quite understand how they come by that concept, except that it's a deception of the enemy. But seeing that you believe you can sin without your knowledge, then you do have the ability, hallelujah, glory to God, to ask the Lord to reveal all the stuff that you might not know that you did. And because you have to get all of those stuff settled and clear up before you meet God. Don't make sense of it wait until you meet God. You say, oops, I didn't know that. Oops, I didn't remember that. Oops, I had forgotten that. You might as well ask the Lord now to open up your capacity to remember and to bring those things to your remembrance. You can, you can deal with them. So where then is Alzheimer's? And... Um, engine of the mind, um, from whence do we get those phenomena and those um, happenings in humankind? They are a result of people making a decision to cease the active pursuit of God in their minds. Um, for whatever reason, people might make that decision. But if you're actively pursuing God in your mind, Alzheimer's will have no space for you. Uh, sometimes I heard about some hear about bishops or people who are mighty giants in the Lord who um, is said to have those sort of mental debilitating conditions. And but the testimony always accompany those stories. So, but do you know? Although they can't remember what they had for breakfast, they still know everything in the Bible. <laughs> they still know the songs. They still sing. They can still preach. But um, actually what they had for breakfast this morning, they can't remember. Well, that's just proof that um, your mind, if it is occupied with the things of God, it cannot lose itself. So there, that's a decision that probably should all make tonight, that as long as I live on the earth, I will employ my mind to pursue God so that I don't lose my mind at any point before I leave the earth. So I said I was going to read some scriptures for you. Psalm 74 verse 1 says, O oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why does thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? And um, the only reason why I'm reading that text, I'm not 
even going to explain all of it. I I just want you to know that as far as God is concerned, one of the first relationship that we have with God, he sees us as sheep. And he is our shepherd. And he has a place for us to be kept. Where sheep are kept in pastures to be taken care of. Um, it means, uh, for, for God to use an analogy as sheep, it means that God expects us to depend on him fully. So man is a creature of God, whom God made no provision for man to be independent of him at any point in time. From the time you're conceiving your mother's womb until the time you leave this earth, God expects you to be fully dependent upon him for everything, for everything that you need to maintain your physical self, your body, and for everything that you need to maintain your mental self, and for everything you need to maintain your emotional self. God expects you to be fully dependent upon him and allow him to provide them for you. And so that's why you let you know that um, in equating our relationship to the animal kingdom, you are a sheep. Um, glory to God. Psalm 79 verse 13 confirms and says, So we thy people and sheep of thy pastor will give thee thanks forever. Now, God expects us as sheep to be led where he lead us. And because he always leads us in a plain path, in a straight path, um, beside the quiet streams, hallelujah, God has given us the capability and the wherewithal to evaluate, hallelujah, his goodness. And out of such evaluation, God has placed a capacity within us that we call the heart to be thankful unto him. So God expects us to be dependent on him, as a sheep is dependent on the shepherd. And in... Um, recognition of how good a shepherd he is, he expects us to give him thanks. So again, I'm just going to let you know that for those folks who said that, they cannot believe that God exists, that is an unnatural position for a man. A real man does not have any problem understanding that God exists. Just like a sheep have no problem understanding that he needs a shepherd. And it says here in Psalm 79, 13, we will show forth thy praise to all generations. So there is never a time on earth where this relationship between God and man will cease. Um, as long as time lasts, man is going to be sheep, and God is shepherd. <laughs> God leads us beside the quiet stream. Psalms 95, verse 7 says, For he is our God. And we are the people of his pastors. So just in case you were thinking that this only applies to a real sheep in a real pastor, David is bringing it home a little bit closer by the time he gets to Psalm 95 and let you know that 
I'm actually talking about us people on the earth. I'm not really talking about sheep in the field. I just want you to understand that's the same sort of relationship we have with God. He takes care of us. He looks after us. He makes certain that we are fine. And because of that, we ought to be grateful and saturate him with praise and thanksgiving and live in obedience as a natural sheep. Know the voice of his shepherd and will follow his shepherd when he calls. Um, Glory to God. Psalms 95 verse 17 says, Today, if we hear his voice, he goes on to say, You should not harden your heart. Um, Glory to God. And that simply means that as a man, see, when when David before was just talking about sheep in the past, he didn't say anything about if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Because sheep don't naturally do that. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd and follow their shepherd. But man, glory to God. Although to to God, he will take care of us. As sheep understand that we're fully dependent on him, there is a capacity to our being where we have to make a decision if we want him to do that. And we can decide that we want him to do that, and our relationship with him will grow stronger and stronger. I will know more about him, and I will become more like him as I know more about him. Or I can decide that I really don't want to be knowing anything about God, and I don't really want to be coming like God, and I don't really want to be walking with God. I don't want to be answerable to God, and so I can put God aside, and that's my personal testimony, as I told you before. Um, Psalms, 103, uh, Psalms 100, verse 3 says, Know you not that the Lord he is God? It is he that has made us, and now we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. Um, so by the time David now gets to Psalms 100, he's being very bold, and he's being very dogmatic, and he's being very demanding. He said, no, don't tell me that you don't know that the Lord is God. It is impossible not to know that. Don't tell me that you don't know how you got here. And um, the reason why Psalms 103 is so valid and rings so true is because, as I said before, you came here when you were conceiving your mother's womb. God had a relationship with you where he needs to understand where you were at, who you were, and where you were heading, and what was required of you. I want to skip back. I have just a few more minutes. I want to skip back to Genesis. Let me find it. Genesis um, 41, verse 38. And and I am, I am going at the speed that I'm going at because, as I said, I do not want the listeners on this line here just to listen and don't do anything with what is said here. I am really expecting um, for the words to take root in our hearts and our minds and to bring 
um, I'm really expecting that um, the hearers who come by Simple Word Ministry will become equipped in the kingdom of God that when God needs, when God needs a man in a certain position to execute a certain office, he will be able to find somebody because they 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 spend time they spend time with God on simple word ministry. Um, glory to God. Um, I don't want I don't want us to be just hearers of the word and not doers. I don't want the words to go in. You know, the Jamaican say, the Jamaican say, he goes through one year and come out through the other. I don't want that to happen, because I realize that on the earth these days, as we as we getting close and closer to the end of time, the demand for righteous, equipped, fully equipped, righteous spiritual sons of God are becoming more and more demanding, and so. Um, I am taking a lamentation against um, the practice of folks of going to church and not growing in their relationship with Christ. Um, I'm really taking a stand against that. I am saying it is time for the sons of God to arise and be sons of God. It's a, it's time that we um it's time that we become responsible for the knowledge that God has um given allotted unto us. And God has seen to it that his word is written is written down. There's just a few languages in the world where the Bible is not yet translated, and, and I know that we're, we're getting there, the, the, those who are called to translating the Bible, we're getting to every language. Um, even somebody said we're going we're gonna to have a, a Bible in Jamaican dialect. Well, it's going to be a hard read for me, because although I speak Jamaican dialect, I do not read it very well, but I will certainly buy one as soon as I see it on the market. I'll buy the Bible in Jamaican dialect. Um, glory to God. So even in dialects now, the Bible is being um, printed, not just in official languages. Um, glory to God. Even in dialects. So we bless the Lord that um, he is true to his word. He's going to make his word available um, to everyone. So Genesis 41, verse 38 says, And Sarah said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? So man is the created being in whom the creator can live. God can live in us. Now, my time has come and gone for teaching, so I cannot dissect and open up to you how God lives within us. Um, glory to God. I'll probably pick up there next week. Or you can simply go spend some time with the prayer conference, and he will tell you before Monday when I come on next week. You could tell me, and, and I'll listen. So, Genesis 41, verse 38, testify that 
man is capable to accommodate or house the Spirit of God. Now, that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thought. That's an that's amazing piece of knowledge and revelation that should get us hopping over the place like we're frogs or, or bunny rabbits, just hopping all over the place. But to know that we are created by God and yet He's able to, to inhabit or dwell in us. And so... The Bible says that, don't you know, don't, don't you know that your body is a temple of the living God and the Holy Ghost who dwells in us. And I want, I want you to begin to grasp the idea that although man was created by God, God's intent and God's desire is not only to dwell with us, but to dwell in us. And so next week, as I continue this transition, I'm um, showing the relationship between God and man. Um, I will dissect this passage of Scripture a little bit um, more clearly. As my bishop would say, you will ex- Populated. <laughs> I use an exegetical analysis <laughs> of the text. Uh, glory to God. But I do want to end here. Um, glory to God, introduce me. Genesis 41, verse 38 says, The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is able to dwell in man. And I want you to know that is God's desire. That's what God desires for each and every one of us, uh, to dwell in us. Uh, and that is why he made us how he made us. And that is why we have the capacity and the capability that we have, that he has endured us with. And that is why our conception it's not a mistake. I tell the young girls all the time in church, um, even if you were raped, do not commit an abortion. I know it's painful. I know it's emotionally burdensome and taxing to know that you're carrying a child that you conceive by such violent violation. But I said, God was there. And you got to look beyond the pain and the shame and, and, the, and the robbery. The worst thing that a man can do to a woman is to rape her. That's just, that's, 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 that's unmentionable. Um, and, yet, and yet so many rapes happen because it's a tool of the enemy to destroy the female gender, to, feel, to destroy the spirit of the woman and the, and the mind and the heart of the woman. And unfortunately, you find agency in some wicked men or some ignorant men or some men with dark hearts and dark minds to do this. But I, 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 I try to get the, the, the girls to understand that since God was there, hallelujah, glory to God, and he did not stop it, you have all right to go up to him, hallelujah, 
and make demands on him about the child that you conceive in your womb. And if you do that, you will see that God is able to fuck her and temper you and you do never know the child in your womb what God has created them for. But as long as it is the will of God, then God will reward you. Um, living on earth with sin and evil um, has its more than due share or quota of destructive acts and violence. But if man would get in the frame of mind that God is God, he is almighty, and he supervises the entire earth and everything about us, then we would we would fellowship with him and take counsel with him beforehand what David says in all in all always acknowledge him and he will direct our path. We will we would do that and in doing that we will have avoided a lot of trouble and a lot of tragedies and a lot of destructive events that happen in our life. I know that's true in my life if I had not set God aside. If I had always walked with the Lord, then I know many of the things that I experience um, in life that were destructive or they were setbacks or they caused delays or they left me with certain spirits and habits um, that even though these days I still wrestle to lay some of them aside, to lay them aside. I know that wouldn't have happened. But I give God glory and I give God praise that even although I had walked a certain pathway in life and that experienced certain things that maybe I shouldn't have experienced and saw and heard certain things that mm, I could have lived without those experiences, I still give God praise and I still give God glory that after so long a while, I am still here, and um, I am intact, hallelujah, and I have knowledge and understanding and, and, and wisdom as to the um, divine operation of the earth, and I have all confidence and all assurance that it is well, and that in the end of my life on earth, when I stand before God, even what I don't understand now, because he's the Almighty and he knows all things. When I do stand before God in the end of my time on earth, I will understand it all. And I will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, I dare you to challenge me and say, I cannot say that because I don't know how my life is going to end. Well, if God is who he said he is, he has not left me in obscurity. Didn't I tell you? I am a man. I can decide. Because he has given me of his will and of his mind. And God says that he desires only good things for me or for those of us who walk uprightly before him. So I don't have to live my life in darkness, ignorance, or obscurity. 
I can live my life in the light that God has provided, in the knowledge, the wisdom, and understanding that God has provided. And the scripture tells me in um, the book of Corinthians that I am redeemed through his blood for the forgiveness of my sins according to the riches of his grace. And I have been made a righteousness of God in Christ. So therefore, being found in Christ, I can fully decide where I'm going to spend my eternity. And I've decided I'm going to spend my eternity with God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's my lesson for tonight. God bless you all. I hope I have inspired you, at least a little teeny, teeny bit, to um, deliberately and consciously pursue God. Do not serve God by accident. Do not serve God casually. You will not see the good end to such a life. Serve God deliberately. Serve God consciously. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Serve God definitively and specifically. Know exactly who you are. And know exactly who God is. You need to know the enemy also as a sidebar. And fully decide to walk with God and pursue him. <coughs> his voice. And if you obey his voice every day in all things, you will see that you are not just only human and you're not just a human being, but you are a man. You are an offspring of God, and in you, God will accomplish all his will upon the face of the earth. God bless you. Happy studying. And until we meet again, we enjoy being a man. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Minister Burton? Yes, amen. Amen. Father God, before we even... Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father God, right now, watch me your son's precious blood. Forgive me my sins, see your thoughts and actions. Anything that is not of you, I do honestly repent. And I receive your forgiveness in no other name but your son's name is Jesus. Father God, I lift up Elbow Jim Malcolm up to you, Father God. <clears throat> and I ask you to pour back into her everything that she has poured out to us tonight, Father God. Father God, I lift this word up to you, Father God, and I thank you for it tonight, Father God. Let this be embedded in our hearts, Father God, and grow through our consciousness and mind, Father God. Let this be rooted in our hearts so we can take it and teach others, Father God. So, God, I thank you. So right now, Father God, this lesson, we fill it upon our hearts with your son's precious blood of the precious blood of Jesus. So we seal it on our hearts so it shall so that it shall grow and we shall be established in it. And I pray this prayer in no other name but your son's name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Praise, Praise God. God. I'm gonna open up the line right now for a comment. Questions and feedback. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good evening everyone. Glory to God. Um, Elder June, I've had this question for you since last week, and um, uh, it wasn't appropriate at the time, but I believe that um, tonight, as I heard you open up uh, uh, tonight's teaching, you said something, and um, my question came back to came back to my remembrance uh, to ask you. there are many people who um, do not have 
um, an issue with God. They believe in God. They know that God exists. They see God, you know, moving in in um, various areas, situations, and so they know for a fact that there is um, the Almighty God. But they have a problem with Jesus. How do you um, get them to understand that he's one in the same? How do you get them to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ um, when they do believe in, in God, um, but they, they, you know, they're iffy about Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ. Are you there? Yeah, hello? Hello? Go ahead. Yes, I'm here. Yeah, did did, did you hear the question, Elder June? I heard a question. Uh, okay, are you ready for it? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I am quite conscious of that um, position that you, you stated because I have a lot of young men in my family and we are from the Negro race. And uh, we have more men in our family than, than women. We are more male than female. Mm-hmm. And um, many of the men in our family subscribe to a religion um, that had its root in the Jamaican culture, the Rastafarian religion. Mm-hmm. And um, Rastafarians have a specific um debilitation to see Jesus Christ as God. Um that that's of one specific set of people. There are many who have that problem for many different reasons, but um the Rastafarian movement is close to my to my heart because I I understand that fully. So I'm gonna use them as an example. The reason why Rastafarians have problems from subscribing to Jesus Christ as God, number one, is because of the role that the slave master used the thought or the idea of Jesus Christ and Christianity and the Bible to portray. So the same person who were educating them or about Jesus were also the slave master. So once they rejected the slave master, they come to reject everything that the slave master presented. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so their rejection, their rejection of Jesus Christ or their inability to see Jesus Christ as Lord is because he was presented by the slave masters. And the slave masters used this thought of Christ to, to keep them in subjection and, and, and bondage. So their rejection of Christ is simply a reflection of their rejection of, of slavery. And so much so they reject slavery that they now even refuse to listen or to try to understand anything of Jesus. To them, Jesus is the white man's God, and not even the real God. He is a fiction of their imagination. It is an image that they concocted and devised, devised to keep the, the, the slavery in bondage. And, um, and so the, the, the folks who subscribe to that thought, they're, they're, they're unwilling 
They're unwilling to listen. They're unwilling to examine. They are unwilling to look. Um, and because they are not, they're, they're not allowing themselves to be exposed to the knowledge, and they, then they continue in that ignorance or in that darkness. So that's the Rastafarians. Now, to the Jewish people, <laughs> the Jewish people also have a problem accepting Jesus Christ as God because it was prophesied to them of old times by the prophets that Jesus Christ would come, well, they didn't know what it was going to be Jesus, the Christ would come. They don't know what the Christ was going to be called. They, it was prophesied that the, the Messiah, Messiah would come. Yes. Remember the woman at the well? Yes. Oh, that the Messiah coming, of Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all They didn't know that he was going to be called Jesus. Um, the Jewish people, it was prophesied to them that the Messiah were coming. And according to Isaiah, and um, when the Messiah cometh, he would deliver them from all bondage, from all darkness, from all slavery, from everything debilitating. Only when Jesus showed up, who was supposedly the Messiah, he had no interest in going up against Rome. He had no interest in doing none of the things that they were expecting the Messiah to come and do. They were only looking for physical deliverance. If the Pharisees were contented in their form of religion, they were contented with Judaism. They didn't want that to be changed. They they were respected and revered and honored, and they ruled over the society any which way they wanted. So they didn't have no problem with their religious setting. They had a problem with their political setting. And so when the Messiah came, the only deliverance they thought they needed was a political one. Um, remember they said to Jesus, we have Abraham, our father, we weren't born in fornication. We don't, we don't need no spiritual stuff. Abraham said, us up spiritually. We only need a political deliverance. Now, Jesus definitely was not offering a political deliverance. He, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, I would have thought. So then, on the basis that Jesus did not fulfill their expectation in delivering them from political bondage, because when Jesus was born, um, the Jewish people were in, in occupation. They were under occupation to the Greek-Roman um, system. Um, so then Jesus was rejected on that basis. He didn't fulfill their expectation of who the Messiah is. And to this day, there are some Jewish people who are still waiting for the Messiah to come. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the Rastafarians, and that, that's the Jewish people. Now, I'm just going to do the two, and then I'm going to do everybody else. Wow, God bless you. Then I'm going to do everybody else. With everybody else in the world, the reason why they have problem um, seeing Jesus as, as God, the Bible said to the Greek, he's a stumbling, um, he's a stumbling block, right? Mm. It's because we thought, I, I said this earlier when I was teaching, we, we teach that God is a spirit mm-hmm. and only a spirit and man is flesh and blood. So folks have problem seeing 
God in flesh and blood form. They just can't put the two together. It can only be one or the other. You're either going to be flesh and blood, or you're going to be spirit. You can't be both. But two weeks ago, that was that was my lesson. Show how we can be both, and uh, we are required to be both. Mm-hmm. And the last scripture that I just read, yes. the Spirit of God dwells in in man. We 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 can be both. We should be both. We're required to be both. And so a lot of people have problem. Even even the, the folks that we call mm, Church of God, the Trinitarians, Trinitarians, mm-hmm. um, they have problems seeing God as flesh and bones. And then the folks that we call apostolic, we have apostolic folks have problem too. Apostolic folks have problem with seeing God. Many apostolic folks have problem. Yes. Um, flesh and bone as spirit. Yes. Have problems seeing flesh as spirit, or we have problems seeing spirit as flesh and bone. So mm. Jesus, when Jesus was walking in the water in the storm, and his disciples um, became scared. Um, and just, it's it's him. I, I'm not a spirit because spirit don't have flesh and bone as you see me do. Um. We have problem putting the two together, equating the two, mm. and, and and that is why this this lesson has been going. I'm going so slowly with them because even though we are Christians or we are sons of God, yes, we um we don't readily equate the spiritual realm with the physical realm. Mm. We don't we don't have problem. Seeing that you can be both physical and spirit at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, I, if you go from the position of the physical, you can't you can't do the manipulation. But if you're coming from the standpoint of spirit, spirit, you can yes, decide and control your manifestation. Now, from the physical, you cannot control the manifestation. It takes a spirit to do that. But if you're coming from the spiritual realm, you can control the manifestation. So um, when Jesus wanted to walk on the water, he could. And when he wanted to just sit and eat, he could. Because he came from the realm of the, he's coming from the, the he's he, he's from the control center of spirit. Mm-hmm. So a spirit he can manipulate manipulate um all the manifestation. So what we need to do is to believe as Jesus said to Mary and Martha, only with men are things impossible. But with God all things are possible. And so what you do from that position, from that mindset, we see all things. And if you says all things, I mean all things. All things are possible. Yeah. So if we, if we change our mindset, if we change our mindset and go from the mindset that with God all things are possible, then we eliminate limitations. And so then now we can begin to call things that are not as though they are because we're not going from the standpoint that I am mere human, I am only human, I'm just a woman, I'm just a man. We don't subscribe to that mindset. We subscribe from the mindset that we're of the God class, yes. we're spirit. And as 
spirit, although we're in a body, although we're in a body, a spirit, we can manipulate this body. We have the power and authority to manipulate the natural. We have the power and ability to manipulate the flesh and let it do what we want it to do. We're not subjected to our flesh. It is simple, a temporary house, and um, it's not any limitation to us. Um, that means at any point in time, if God requires me to live one entire year without eating, it is possible. Mm-hmm. But I would have to go from the from the control center uh, of spirit. And God proved to us these things in his word. God is so good. God, God put everything in his word because the Bible says that in Israel. So God uses the natural things to explain spiritual things. And God says to the children of Israel, you're going to plant your field for six years. In the seventh year, I don't want you to plant anything. But the Bible makes a point to let us know that in the seventh year, the harvest was more than the, the, the previous six years. That means if you go from the standpoint of spirit, there's no limitation. But if we have problem, if we have problem seeing that flesh and bone can be spirit, then we won't see God. We won't see Jesus Christ as God. Mm-hmm. It, it's impossible to see. But if we get out of that frame of mind, yes. and in the realm of the spirit, Nothing is impossible. Then if nothing is impossible, yes, God can appear as flesh and bone if he wants. He can appear as anything that he wants because he's spirit. And and so I, I think the problem, Pastor, is when we try to think that we know more than God. Yes. And we don't simply accept God. Mm. And if there is something that God says that my mind can't grasp, I'll just simply tell him, I don't understand this at all. I don't know what you're talking about. But if you'll explain it to me, I will glad for the um for the knowledge or for the instruction. And he and he does. He doesn't do it all the time. I doesn't do it um all the time. Immediately when I ask him, but eventually he will bring it he will bring it around and say, Do you want to know this now? So I realize that um maybe sometimes when I ask the question I'm not even in the place to receive the answer. And so God will Lead me along until I get to the point where um, I can receive the answer. Now, in the last example of folks I'm going to show you are the folks that I just mentioned them that they're called Trinitarians, right? In English, in the natural world, we are taught one plus one plus one equals three. Yes. Three separate things. Yes. That's how our natural mind works. Mm-hmm. So when we see God in many different forms, and we either going to say, well, he can't be one, or none of the other things are God. We, 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 we try to choose a position. So when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus was on the earth in a body, and when Jesus was being baptized, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom we are pleased. Well, obviously we know that God is in the heaven. So if a voice is coming from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I will please. And naturally, this who is the son on earth could not be God too. That, because we're looking at it from a natural standpoint, again, from the flesh. Because God was in heaven, talking from heaven. We heard his voice from heaven. So you can't tell me that God was in heaven, talking as a voice, and God was still on the earth. 
um, in a body as a man. And I said, yes, I can tell you that, and I can even prove it to you from, from the Bible. And many times when I have folks who really don't see how Jesus Christ could be God, and we, we come down, I said, let me ask you something. Do you believe in God? And you say, yes. Okay, do you believe that the God that you believe in, do you believe that he has the power to be a man on the earth. You believe he has the power. I'm not saying if he did it or he didn't do it. I just want to know, do you believe he has the power to do it? Do you believe that God has the power? He who you call God, whoever that might be, do you believe he has the power to become flesh if you want, to become man if you want? And you don't say something like, well, he's almighty, he can do anything. And I say, well, then, you start there at that point with God and Christ, and you will see that he actually did it. And if, if they're receptive, if they're not receptive, they'll say, no, no, you're not ever going to convince me of that. And all of them say, I'm not trying to convince you. God ain't trying. I'm not trying. But if they say, okay, that makes some of us of a sense, why would God do that? And then that is my entrance into the story of redemption and salvation and sin and why it took God becoming a man um, to, to, to do that. Now, interestingly, the Jewish people, let's go back to them for a little bit. They don't have problem believing that God can become a man. They're expecting him to do it. They just don't believe Jesus was it. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ was it. Because he didn't subscribe to the religion. And that's, and, that's, and that's all their hindrance was because he didn't subscribe to their religion. So the Greek people, they have it hard to believe that Jesus Christ is God because he was crucified on a cross. Mm-hmm. Um, but God is crucified on a cross. If he's the creator of the entire earth, how could he be crucified on a cross? So usually what with folks who don't see Jesus Christ as God, it is something about Christ himself. It is something about Jesus that they equate in their mind is either inappropriate or impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and to them, so they become their own, they become their own knowledge, their own wisdom, their own understanding, their own educator, because they believe in their mind that that should not be, or they don't want it to be, then they dismiss Christ. But people will not honestly tell you plain straight, I am dismissing Christ and give you the real true reason. They will, they will say stuff like, well, I do believe in God, but I don't see how Jesus Christ can be God. They'll say it like that. But actually they have made an evaluation, like what I said earlier, mm-hmm. that we, we, we look at life, look at stuff, and we make evaluations and we decide. They have looked and they have decided that they don't want um, to accept Christ as God. Either he doesn't measure up to what they think he should be, like the Jewish people and the Greek people, or to accept that comes with too much responsibility now. True. So I'm not even going to accept it. Mm. And, and that's why it is. It's, it's not hard to see Jesus Christ as God. And Jesus Christ as God usually breaks down when it comes to salvation. That's when it usually breaks down. He doesn't break down in other arenas of talking about God. Um, when it comes to salvation, that's when it breaks down. So I realize that it's just because people do not want to accept God's way of salvation. Mm. They don't want to accept God's method of salvation. Because to accept God's method of salvation, you're going to have to deny yourself. 
and accept him. And we don't like to deny ourselves. Human beings don't like to deny themselves. We are our own gods. And we like to think that we are our own keeper. And we don't want to surrender and give up all to anybody, even God. And so rather than just say that, you know what, I just want to live my own life. I don't want to have anything to do with God. Um, I am here, and he was blessed, but I, I know what I want to do with my own life. They're not honest enough to say it like that, but that's what they really mean. Mm-hmm. I want to live my own life, and I really can't hand it over to God. And so they'll say something like, I don't think Jesus Christ is God. I can't believe Jesus Christ is God. How could he be God and be on the earth? But he's God and he ate bread. And all of eating bread stop you from being God. He's a spirit. He can do anything he wants to do. And so when Jesus Christ was on the earth once and Jesus Christ prayed, he prayed audibly and he prayed out loud to his Father. And Jesus said in his prayer, the end of his prayer, you know I only pray audibly because of these people standing around here. Yes, yes. And, um, he said, you know I only pray audibly because of these people standing around. Because he had to set an example for us. And and so what we need to do, we need to turn aside um, the Bible says every week and every sin that beset us. Anything that prevents us from accepting um, the Bible as it presents God, we, we ought to put that aside and and let God be God because it will be it will be well with us. So I hope in that long answer that all. <laughs> you did, and you answered many of my sub-questions as well, so I thank you very much. The last point that you just made, anything that um, will try to uh, prevent you from knowing who God is, knowing who Jesus is, put it away. And that's one of the, you know, I um um, knowledge, you know, it's it's good for us to increase our knowledge, but there are times when certain things that we read, we need to um, put them away because there are certain literatures that, you know, um, if we are not spiritually mature enough, there are literatures out there that will change, you know, change um, our thinking um, from who Jesus is. Um, you know, as I said, I, I said to somebody the other day, anybody can be a writer. Anybody can publish a book. I said, look at me. I have published a book. I said, anybody can publish a book. Now, does it mean that the books that are published, that it is, um, you know, the inspired word of God? And so, therefore, you know, in order to know who Jesus is, you've got to open up the word of God, the Bible. And the person said, so why is it that I can't read about Jesus, you know, someplace else in other books. I said you read about him in the inspired word of God. Anything else about him is going to be somebody's opinion, and you cannot depend on somebody's opinion of who Jesus is. You've got to depend upon the word of God to tell you who Jesus is. So, so I thank you, Elder Jim. God bless you. Oh, you know, I have I have a son, and my son is always trying to engage me in a conversation about Christianity. Um, because my son, after he came back from university, he came back too smart for his own good. Yeah. And so um, 
he wants to engage me in the conversation always about Christianity. And I said, I am not interested in discussing Christianity with you. And he said, why not? I said, because it is an elusive subject. And I don't have time for all my stay and um, beating the air and wasting my time. He said, but, um, he said, but even Christian, he said, what will you prefer discuss? I said, I'm going to discuss Jesus Christ with you. He said, but isn't Christianity the religion that um, promotes Jesus Christ? I said, not necessarily. Christianity means all kinds of stuff to all kinds of different people. Christianity is elusive. It changes from one culture to the next, from one person to the next, from one congregation to the next. But Jesus Christ is constant, he's consistent, he's solid. I can I can go the mile with you about Jesus Christ, but definitely not Christianity. And even not on being a Christian either. That's another you know, I, I don't want to talk about being a Christian. I don't want to talk about Christianity. I will discuss Jesus Christ with you know, from beginning to end. And he won't he won't discuss Jesus Christ but he but he wants to discuss Christianity. You see people just and my son is a very smart very smart boy. Certified genius in the school system. But you see, people decide. It's a decision. People, I tell people, it's a decision. Somewhere in your life, you decide what you were going to do with Christ. You decide how you were going to treat him. You decide where you were going to place him. And then you live your life um, accordingly after that. But if you would just decide to put Christ first, and accept what the Bible says about them. And if you read something that you don't understand, tell God, I don't understand this. What are you saying here? I don't understand this. And God will explain it to you, and, and you know, you won't be in the darkness about who Jesus Christ, um, who Jesus Christ might be. Um, and unfortunately, some people will not do that. And so with all the knowledge, and all the preaching and all the teaching and all the books and all the churches, some people just going to be lost. Um, they... Uh-uh. Hello? Hello? Yeah, we lost her. Amen. Did you lose? Okay, so okay, so I'm not the one that's lost. <laughs> you? Um... I have to say, uh, it was an interesting conversation question you asked because that was the same question I was thinking about today. Amen. And it was just that, you know, long story short, God just told me that you can't just hate, you can't love him and not love Jesus. You can't mm. not love Jesus and not love him because he's not a house divided. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Amen. You, can't say, you can't say you love God and not love Jesus. Because Jesus said, when you see the Father, you see him. You see me. So, yeah, but that's the thing, right? You know, when we know the word and when we use the word um, to, you know, to folks who, who are looking for answers outside of the word, that's when it gets a little bit, um, you know, um, iffy because, you know, they're saying, okay, um, I need to know about Jesus outside of the Word of God. And it's not something, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not something that's possible. Um, you get to know God and Jesus through the Word. And anything else, in my opinion, anything else is somebody's opinion, and I don't want that. I want the Word of God. And so it's not until, you know, um, folks get a heart change, you know, that they will, uh, okay, come to the knowledge of who Jesus is through 
the word of God and through, you know, their own personal convictions, their own personal relationship with him. Um, no matter, you know, no matter what you try to do now, it's, it's, it's like you're just, you know, um, banging your head against the wall because they don't have that, you know, that, that, that desire or they don't have that um, heart change as yet. And this is where, you know, we know that prayer changes everything. And I heard Elder June said it again tonight. And that's mm-hmm. where we, we, we pray and, you know, we ask God to um, change the minds of, you know, of those who you don't want, um, you don't want to see them, you know, end up in, um, you know, hell's damnation. You want to see them saved. And so you pray and ask God, you know, to give them, you know, whether it's a Damascus Road experience or whatever it is, you know, so that they can see. Because remember, you know, Saul didn't know Jesus. He didn't, you know. Mm -hmm. Saul was very, Saul was brilliant. He was, you know, he was... Mm -hmm. He was very, 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 very smart, um, you know, glory to God, and but he did not know, right? And that's why, you know, when he got converted, he wrote that I may know him, right? Because... He, he didn't know who Jesus was, and um, he, he, he had to he had to have had that Damascus Road experience where you know God took his sight so that he could see. And and oftentimes it takes something drastic, you know, for those who um, you know do not believe in Jesus, don't know him, don't want to know him. Oftentimes it takes something very very drastic in order for them to come into the knowledge of who Jesus is. Um, sad, yes, but, you know, sometimes very necessary. And, you know, um, you know, many of us, we have unsafe family members that we just have to continue to pray. And, you know, we're not asking God to blind them, you know, the way that he did with, um, with Saul, but we're asking God to give, you know, to, to give them experiences that, you know, they will come into the knowledge of who Jesus is. Um, yeah. yeah. Pastor, Pastor, can I say something? Hey, Evangelist, how you doing? <laughs> I'm fine. I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, <laughs> we're in Acts 9, verse 5, where we saw when the GE has word, Lord, and the Lord said, I am Jesus. Yes. Um, now, in John 5, verse 43, said, I am come in my Father's name. One of the problems that is happening is that uh, many cannot understand, uh, you know, who Jesus is because um, they're looking at uh, basically the knowledge, the early knowledge. Mm-hmm. They're not look, they're looking at uh, how can, uh, you know, um, the father send the son uh, and he came on the and he came on the earth. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. they cannot fully understand? Uh, who Jesus is, and many will not accept who he is. Mm. So a lot of people is having, as what Elder June was saying, a lot of people is having um, problem in knowing who is God, Father, Jesus Christ, Holy Ghost, Spirit. Like they all, uh, you know, um, mix up uh, trying to understand it. But if they really go deep into the Word of God, then they will truly understand that, God is a spirit. Mm-hmm. As simple as that, God is a spirit. And the only way he can come unhurt 
is to take on flesh and come to Jesus Christ. So and he had to do it legally, so he had to come through a woman. He had to be born. That's right, for him to really come. And and one of the, uh, there's so much, um, as what the Elder June was saying, there's so much um, um, doctrine out there that if you're not careful, you know, you will get caught into, you know, believing what they're saying also. Because, mm-hmm. for instance, even with the bloodline of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. you know, um, when Ella Jones just started teaching, I was glad when she started to talk about the bloodline of Jesus Christ because many believe that, um, you know, with Mary, you know, um, Jesus, Mary carrying Jesus, there's no way Mary blood could contaminate Jesus' blood. There's no way. I, that's a, another debate. Because <laughs> uh, um, there's no way that blood of Mary mm-hmm. would go through Jesus Christ. Because mm-hmm. it has to be a pure blood. Mm-hmm. And many will disagree. Many will say, oh, yes, um, it, uh, the, the neighbor's string was connected to, to Mary. And uh, yes, but uh, um, I strongly believe that there's no way Jesus' blood has to be pure, so it could not mix with human. That's my little say tonight. <laughs> I may open up a can of herbs tonight. Oh, glory to God. To God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not telling you. Where's the Lord, I'm not telling you. Where's the Lord, That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hello? Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. Um, Are you guys hearing me? Yes. yes, I can hear you. Okay, I'm sorry about that. The enemy sort of sat on my line. But um, Apostle, um, that, that, that's very good. That's very good what she just said. Um, Jesus did not have Mary's blood. Amen. That's why I'm not touching that. I'm not even touching that one. I'm not even, uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. That's it. I didn't need Mary's blood. No. <laughs> I can tell you, I am not even touched that one with him. Oh, no, ma'am. Mm-mm, ain't no way. He, 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 however, he needed the womb to come forth. That's right. Hello? Amen. Amen. Uh, as you can tell, we will get into some deep, we will get into topics. Yes, yes, we need to go deep. Hello? Amen. 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 Um, Amen. Can you all hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yes, we're hearing. This is, uh, um, my name is Erica, Minister Erica from Agape Outreach. Ministry that. Pastor Chen. Praise the Lord. Lord. God bless you. Oh, God bless you too, ma'am. God bless you too. Like, I was just, I don't know if it's a revelation, but I just started to think like, when the sister was talking about, you know, Mary's blood not being able to contaminate, you know, uh, Jesus' blood. And I'm just wondering, like, I don't know if it's a question, but it's just somehow in my head. And it feels like a revelation that maybe God already purified her blood so she can go forth with, with his plan. I'm not sure if I'm right about that, but it would seem to me, 
you know, and and I'm not debating or arguing about it, but I, it it kind of is a question as as at the same time, kind of a thought in my mind, as if like the Lord had already purified her blood, so in essence, it couldn't contaminate it. But at the same time, like I thought about the umbilical cord and the process and the womb and everything, and and how a baby is fed through the the mother or whatever but i'm thinking like god already purified her blood or whatever it was that she had to nurture him while he was in her belly or her womb before he you know so it couldn't contaminate it if that makes any sense i don't know mm-hmm. i'm i'm with you and um and here is you know my thought my thought on that god is a spirit okay god is a spirit um oh god this is this is too much this, this is too much for this time of the night um god is a spirit and he, he uh you know he had the, the the plan of salvation in place from the foundations of the earth amen that um you know he would become the spotless lamb um, amen. Uh, because uh, we, my God Almighty, help us. Um, blood was needed. Blood was necessary in order to become that ultimate sacrifice for mankind. Now, I truly believe, uh, Minister Erica, as you, as you, uh, your, 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 um, your school of thought. I believe, um, a, you know, he needed the blood, and so I believe that he purified that blood. I believe that. And so he came for it because the Bible says that he was without sin. And if her blood was not purified, you know, for him to um, impregnate himself in her, um, then he would come. Because remember, we're coming from the sin line, all right? Um, you know, we carry that sin trait. And in order for him not so, um, you know, in order for him to be without sin, the, 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 that trait that is carried through the blood, amen, it, it, it comes through the blood cells, it had to have been purified because, um, you know, he was born without sin, so that blood was purified. That's my belief. Um, the Bible doesn't explain that to me that I've seen as yet. I'm pretty sure I'll see, uh, you know, if it's there, I will see it. But that's my belief as well, um, glory to God, because um, A, the Spirit needed the blood for the ultimate sacrifice, bottom line. Amen, amen, amen. That I, I, I getting so much from this call, um, and Prophet Bob was so right. I mean, oh, I'm so happy that the Lord has me here right now, and and it's it's making me want more and more. So I'm going to see if I can come as much as I can to get some of these. Yeah, come come back again month, next Monday night for sure because um there will be more. Um, that um, you know, if you want, if you want to know the deep things of God, if you want to learn, um, do you know? I know you're part of um, Agape, and I'm pretty sure that Apostle Lana, you know, will you know will be okay with uh, with anyone coming over on a Monday night to um, to learn through these teachings. Because I have been um, Minister Erica, 
I've been a Christian all my life. You know, I've been a believer all my life. Um, I'm going to be very old in September coming. And I'm telling you the things that I've been learning in these teachings. Um, I've been through extensive studying. I, you know, I read, I pray, I, I have personal experiences. Um, you know, saints of God, I remember when I was going through um, my training, I literally, literally had an experience. I had a vision of Paul. After Paul, you know, became Paul, Paul teaching me the book of Acts. Um, you know, so I've, I've had experiences that I, I don't know if anybody could understand these experiences, but um, since last September when we started this um, teaching, I have been, I mean, my knowledge has increased, and I truly understand when, you know, God, you know, the Word of God says, Isaiah 4, verse 6, which is the basis of our, our study, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge, you know. And I'm, I can tell you that my knowledge has increased vastly, and um, I, you know, it's like I didn't know anything before. You know, um, just being here on, on Monday night. So again, I invite you to join us. Uh, we start at nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time every Monday night. Um, so come on back and um, you know, uh, learn with us. You know, we're all learning. All right. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you. Okay, I'm back off you, sorry. Amen, amen, amen. Um again. Um Elder, excuse me. Elgin, a great word again. And again, a great word for tonight. And let us have our, our takeaways for our lesson and even <laughs> discussion after lesson that we take this knowledge and be establishing it. That's the purpose of Bible study. Yes. And we all mm. take the knowledge of God and be establishing it. Amen. Um, as Ella June says, she has taken a stand against uh, pew, um, uh, pew warmers. And so that's the purpose. That's all church. That is what every, I mean, if you want to be really, truly honest, every Sunday when we go to church or when we fellowship and we learn from one another, about the things of Christ and about the things of God is to do so we can be established in him, that we can walk in the ways of him. Um, and then we'll close out the line. So um, because I have this, I just know that lately in, in my own personal study time, how people have detailed prayers and all this stuff, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, why didn't the old, I've never heard an old saint um Meaning, when I say old saint, I mean anybody who's around my grandmother's generation. I've never heard them do their warfare prayers of Jesus, fix it, and they sit, and the next thing you know, it gets fixed. And I never could. And now I hear we got this type of prayer, that type of prayer. We got like a, I mean, everybody has something to say. But I, like I said, my grandmother can get delivered. She used to sit there. Oh, sit there, she made one prayer, and it's done. 
And Priscilla Shauna, can I jump in there for a second? Because um, I, I on on Friday night, I did detailed prayers, and um, so I want to jump in there for a second. A lot of things that um, our grandparents did, and our and how our grandparents, um, you know, did things was they they did it based on what they knew. Again, we go back to Isaiah um, four verse six: "My people perish because of a lack of knowledge." Um, is God did God um, answer the prayers the way that um, our grandparents, my my grand my grandmother, my great grandmother, and so on and so. Did God answer their prayers? Of course he did, because God is faithful. You know, God is faithful. And um, what God is looking for, God is looking for, um, you know, uh, uh, you coming um, to him with sincere prayers from your heart, from your heart. And um, it's not a matter of the words that you use, but it's, um, you know, are you coming to him sincerely? Are you just being... you know, coming with a form prayer, amen. And anybody can pray a form prayer, glory to God. But there's some people that can pray a form prayer effectively and powerfully and see manifestation. So we have to be careful how, you know, how we, we were certain things because, like I said, um, you know, what our, our grandparents and great-grandparents knew, our knowledge has now vastly increased. Knowledge is increasing. God remains the same. Knowledge is increasing, and God still hears, and he answers first. As a matter of fact, even before we go to him in prayer, the Bible says it's already done. The Bible said before we call, he will answer. While we're yet speaking, we will hear. Can I tell you something? That prayers and the way that we pray it nowadays is simply for us. Because for God, it's already done. So respectfully ask, you know, um, because I did form prayers the other night, um, you know, it, it, I sort of kind of want to take it personally and I don't want to. So just, um, just be mindful. Mindful, um, my wonderful minister. God bless you. I apologize. I apologize. I didn't mean it that way, Pastor Marie. Um, I do apologize. I was just saying that uh, we just need to be established in him, and I do exactly. apologize. I didn't mean it that way, so I, I'm going to say right now, I don't mean take offense. I automatically apologize. I do. I, I really do apologize. Um. So, um, I apologize once again, Pastor Marie. Did not did not mean it by any way, shape. I get I get you, I get you, Minnesota Charlotte. Trust me, I do understand you. I understand you. Okay. Okay. Amen. So, um, with that being said, let let us all come come back tomorrow night at nine p.m. for Jeremiah's Generation. Um, with the, uh, from that with uh, Sister Kamisha from the island of Jamaica. So, <clears throat> so as we are getting late, <laughs> glory to God, Hallelujah. Let's see who's on. Amen, amen, amen. So, hopefully, my um, as we close, Father God, right now, wash me in Your Son's precious blood, forgive me of my sins, deeds, thoughts, and actions. Anything that is not of you, I do honestly repent, and I receive your forgiveness in no other name but your son's name of Jesus. 
Um, Father God, right now, as we close, Father God, as we please you to seal, we ask you right now, Father God, to seal the word tonight in our hearts, Father God, by your son's precious blood, Father God, so it shall be established in it, Father God. And as we go, Father God, mm, as we go, Father God, <coughs> cover us, Father God, protect us and guide us and keep us um, and keep us within thy ways. So with that being said, may the Lord bless and keep thee. May the Lord shine his face upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Uh, sleep with God's angels, everyone, and good evening. Have a good evening. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. See you all tomorrow. Good night. Good morning, Grand Turn it down. Yeah, you finished. I'm going to Goodbye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.